Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the mini break. Your date podcast for the big storylines results and controversies from the tennis world today is wednesday august 30th day three of the 2023 u.s open now officially in the books dare i say it's the first day we saw serious upsets in the singles draw now i want to get into everything that happened over the last 24 hours here on today's show as we always do in these recap episodes i want to talk you through the eight upsets for for the men, four for the women. We'll talk about the matches that went the distance. We'll talk about the Americans, the players with college ties. And of course, we'll talk more broadly about how the top seeds performed overall on the day. But there's no question, the biggest headline coming out of day three of the 2023 U.S. Open, the five set upsets of both fifth seeded Casper Ruud and seventh seeded Stefano Tsitsipas. Now, 30,000 foot view, if you listen to any of the pre-turn coverage I was a part of both on this show as well as Gil Gross's Monday Match Analysis show. You know I thought there was a pretty clear-cut top four. I would throw Zverev in his own tier three as a top five, but I thought that list was pretty clear-cut. Djokovic, Alcaraz, 1A, 1B, Sinner, Medvedev in that tier two, and then I thought Zverev was pretty clearly better than the rest of the pack, but you know, six through 10, you can make a case for any of the Americans, Fritz, Paul, Tiafo. You can make a case for guys like Rublev, Tsitsipas, Rude, given their pedigree now if Holger Runa was healthy, he'd obviously have belonged in that conversation as well. But again, that top five, at least entering day three, uh, day four now, excuse me, they remain unblemished more broadly. That said, that you had guys in that next tier of conversation, guys like Kasparut, Stefano Tsitsipas, who have been perennial top 10 guys who we've seen in slam finals. To see each of them knocked out on day three of this event, that qualifies as a significant upset and Look, obviously on today's show, we'll get into the mechanics. How did 26-year-old Zheng Zhizhen in what continues to be a year of first knock off Kasper Ruud 6-2 in the fifth? Same for Dom Stricker, who, if you're a longtime mini-break listener, you know I have a lot of stock in the young lefty Swiss player. Now everyone sees why perhaps I was so excited. He can just strike the ball the way it's meant to be hit. Power is not an issue for Dom Stricker. Creativity is not an issue for Dom Stricker. Gumption is not an issue for Dom Stricker. And he had to put all of that on display in what was, again, a thrilling five-set victory over Stefano Tsitsipas. Those are your two biggest upsets of the day. Now, certainly symbolically, Wozniacki coming back from having children and beating a top 15 player in Petra Kvitova, five and six in the nightcap. That was a stellar match as well. And obviously want to talk about that as well as the other upsets we saw on the day in the women's draw. We'll start there. Again, I'll spend some more time 
on the top seeds over the next course of maybe less so here in round number two, certainly in round number three, as the top seeds start to see their tests increase uh, over the course of this event, as any draw works. But again, want to spend time upsets, matches that went the distance. We'll talk about how the top seeds perform, the Americans, the college players. We'll get into all of that as always. I hope after these episodes you feel well informed about everything that's happened to date at the U.S. Open. And if you want to know what you need to be watching moving forward, go check out our Great Shot podcast feed. I post preview shows every day around 3, 4 p.m. Eastern time. I like to list the best matches, not just, again, from a name standpoint, but what's most significant to the draw. What are the funky matchups that just might produce fun tennis for you to enjoy? I happen to think those preview shows, I mean, it's just me recording them. You, you hope you enjoy the work you're doing. I'm particularly proud of those preview shows. I think I found my format moving forward for at least the early days of action, and again, Third round, things somewhat begin to slow down, but the first week is always such a rush at a major. So if you're looking to help organize your viewing schedule, go check out those Great Shot Podcast preview shows. You can find them wherever you listen to your podcasts or on our website, crackrackets.com. And as always, before we get into the show, I do apologize for having to ask this, but like, rate, subscribe, review, if you could go leave that five-star rating always helps us getting that boost. We want to hear your thoughts as well. I like hearing how funny so many of you often are. So leave us a little thought in the comment section as well. We appreciate all of you who take the 30 seconds to minute to do that. It, again, helps us with our sponsors, etc. So if you don't mind, go do that. And speaking of sponsors, shout out to our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. All right, let's get into the upsets on day number three of the 2023 U.S. Open. Got to start with the two top 10 men's seeds. Again, Casper Ruud, Stefano Tsitsipas, each knocked out on the day. What was the more surprising of the two? Probably Stricker's victory over Stefano Tsitsipas. And the reason it's more surprising is that Jung Ji Zhen has had a fantastic season so far this year. He's made a semifinal of a 500-level event in Hamburg. I think he quartered Madrid or Rome, one of those two clay court Masters 1,000-level events as well. He was the first Chinese man inside the top 100. He's made pushes into the top 75 towards the top 50. 26-year-olds had a career year. And given Kasparud's struggles, not just against Emilio Nava in round number one, but Again, given his lack of form coming into this event as well, I I think that loss was a little bit more feasible or more expected, perhaps, in a broader sense, seeing Rude lose in the way that he did. I mean, for Tsitsipas, I know the U.S. Open has always been a place that he has struggled. You look for Tsitsipas over the course of the past few seasons. What, 2019 U.S. Open loses first round to Rublev. What a brutal first round draw that is. 2020 third round loss to Chorich. 2021 third round loss to Alcaraz. Again, brutal draws. 2022 first round loss to Daniel Galan. Now this year's second round exit to Stricker. What is it about this event that causes Tsitsipas to struggle? Maybe it's because the surface is a little bit quicker. And, I mean, again, Stricker, the 21-year-old from Switzerland, he's got serious weapons. The lefty, 
time after time was able to hit a heavy first serve into that CT Paz backhand and find himself opportunities to play plus one tennis. The script in this match was pretty clear cut. First serve, first strike, whoever did that more successfully throughout the course of the set ultimately won it. Now again, seven five, six seven, six seven, seven six, six three, the margins were thin throughout the course of this match and Certainly the biggest takeaway, 5-4, fourth set, Tsitsipas is serving for it, Stricker breaks back. Let the record show that Stricker broke right away to start that fourth set, slapped an unbelievable forehand winner up the line, return, uh, forehand return winner up the line to clinch the break. He was leading for the majority of that fourth set. He was the better player, even in my opinion, for the majority of that fourth set. And he almost stole the third set breaker. He was down a mini break for most of it. Tsitsipas shanks a forehand wide for 6-5. Stricker has a backhand volley on top of the net. He misses at 5-6 to seed that third set to Tsitsipas. Every set was a struggle. Every set was a slugfest. And, you know, for Dominic Stricker, Again, 21 years old, hasn't been a top 100 player yet in his career with this victory. He moves up to number 102 in the live rankings and obviously by knocking out the seven seed has a very winnable match against Benjamin Bonzi in round number three to make his top 100 debut. I mean, listen to the numbers for Stricker. Only made 57% of his first serves, but won 76% of those points, won 70... uh, uh, 76% of his first serve points won, 56% of his second serve points, 42 of 52 at the net, 79 winners against 40 unforced errors. The biggest compliment you can offer Dominic Stricker coming out of this match is he played Tsitsipas dead even. And Tsitsipas did not return well, although he did break serve four times, let the record show. But Tsitsipas did not play poorly. 71 winners against 42 unforced errors, 22 aces, won 81% of his first serve points. Now, he did face 13 break points in the match, did get broken six times. But part of that was just Stricker swinging so freely. Part of that was just, again, his racket talent, his hand skills. If you watch any of Dom Stricker over the years, and I got the chance to go see him in person a couple of years ago in Cleveland, where Stricker ultimately made the final of that Cleveland Challenger, beats Yoshihide Nishioka in that final, is one of the first big Challenger victories of his career. Although, for what it's worth, this is a guy who does have two Challenger titles already this season, has made a couple of quarterfinals at the tour level coming into this, and this gets me back full circle. Dominic Stricker is now 10-7. and in his career against top 50 players. You saw it yesterday. His ability to hit that slice serve out wide on the ad side followed in with an easy first volley to the open court. Again, he's a comfortable volleyer, knows where to go, what to do, can be creative with that volley, very confident hitting his overhead. The pace is not the problem. He has a good first step. He's not the most fluid getting out of his corners But again, the creativity, the improvisational skills, the strength he has when he gets his hands on the ball, he can do something special. Now, again, lefty, his ability to jam Tsitsipas' backhand, jam his body in particular on the serve and match Tsitsipas on the first strike. 10 and 7 against the top 50. We know what Dom Stricker's ceiling is. The key is elevating his floor. The key is more consistently match in, match out, finding 
that 75% ball. Finding a way to assert himself, of course, but doing it within the margins. Because if you've watched Stricker of late, you know the errors can pile up. And look, he's done a really good job this year getting back to the challenger level. You know, again, regaining his confidence, rebuilding his ranking. You look for him, again, 43-20 and 20 overall in his last 52 weeks, 32-14 and 14 here this season. He's 21, just turned 21 years old in August, you know, on the precipice of making the top 100 into the third round of a major for the first time. This is a guy who qualified for the next-gen finals last season, made the semifinals. You look for him this year now with this run. He's up to eighth in the next-gen rankings. And keep in mind, the top two guys, Alcaraz, Runa, certainly aren't going to be playing. So at worst, he's at sixth. If Musetti doesn't play now, he's in fifth all of a sudden. Back-to-back next-gen finals is not something to snuff your nose at. He's been a top-8, 21-and-under guy for the past couple of seasons, and now, again, he gets his marquee victory in a marquee moment, beating Tsitsipas at a slam. The weapons are real. And, look, on the flip side for Stefano Tsitsipas, yes, it's a disappointing loss. It's a loss where he served for the match. It's a loss where, again, he is the more experienced player. He is playing someone who wants to just play plus one tennis, get to tiebreaker tennis, which at this point you would expect Tsitsipas, who's a top five server by hold percentage on the ATP Tour right now. You think that's where Tsitsipas would get him. The problem is, once again, Stricker was perfectly suited, as are often opponents in this sort of situation, of exploiting the one thing you have to exploit in Stefano Tsitsipas's game, which is that backhand return. Just time after time, when Stricker could get a good first serve into that backhand or that left hip, Tsitsipas sometimes would make the shot. Oftentimes, it would be left short. It left an easy plus one approach or an easy first volley for Stricker to knife off. And Stricker executed that exceptionally throughout the course of the day. But it's the same limitation for Stefano Tsitsipas. And again, he served for this match. He very well could have won it. I'm not going to say should have won it because I do think Stricker should have won that fourth set as he did. Again, you could argue that third set was really a toss-up. Second set was really a toss-up. I mean, every set was a toss-up except the fifth where Stricker went up an early break and kind of never looked back. And again, that speaks to the gumption of this 21-year-old to never flinch and to just keep swinging freely If you played enough tennis growing up, and I always like to say binary system, I think I did, you're around people like this who maybe, you know, again, didn't have the, weren't in the conventional shape you expected the best players in your area to be in, but they just had that God-given ability to strike a tennis ball beautifully. Dominic Stricker is one of those people, and he's a lefty as well, which just makes the spins and the angles he puts you in that much more uncomfortable for his opponents. It's a signature win for Dom Stricker, up to a new career high, number 102 in the live rankings, qualifies into this event, has to earn a couple of three-set victories, tough one over Lexi Galarno from a set down in round number one, wins over Popperin and Tsitsipas in rounds one and two. You could argue his easiest match of the event to date will be his third round match against Benjamin Bonzi, or at least his easiest main draw match to date. And by the way, Bonzi, four-set winner over Chris Eubanks, did a great job of taking the net away from Chris, did a great job of taking time away from Chris. That's a massive opportunity for both of those guys, particularly for a guy in Benjamin Bonzi. It would be 
been pretty consistently top 75 for the last 18 months. Had a stretch this year where he lost seven consecutive matches. Finds himself outside the top 100 entering this event. Now in beating Eubanks and uh, making the third round, he's back up to number 100 in the live rankings. So, you know, again, that is a massive opportunity for both of those guys to put themselves in a second week of a major. Uh, and, you know, again, give themselves a chance against what will likely be Taylor Fritz. That's upset number one, Stricker over Pass. The other top 10 seed backed out, Casper Ruud by Jung Zhizhen. Ultimately, the 26-year-old from China, 6'4", 5'7", 6'2", love 6", 6'2". I mean, yeah, fourth set aside, everything in this match was played on Jung's terms. 60 winners to Ruud's 39. He had 18 aces to root seven. He won 74% of his first serve points. He had 17 breakpoint chances to Root's five. Now, he only had five breaks to Root's four, but again, three of Root's four breaks came in that fourth set. So, five, you know, again, five to one is the real comparison there, and Jung had 17 breakpoint chances throughout the course of the match. I know Casper had 39 winners against 32 unforced errors in the stats, but Casper was so tentative throughout the course of this match. It just felt like any time he accelerated thoroughly through his forehand, he thought that ball was going to sail and hit the back tarp. And you just can't sit up balls in that strike zone, particularly because Casper Root hits a heavy topspin ball, and when he's leaving that ball short, that ball is shoulder height for Zheng Zhizhen to just bunt down on, absorb your topspin, drive through the ball that much more thoroughly. And again, Jung was firing missiles off the baseline. 18 aces, yes, but you know what? 42 other winners, whether it be straight ground stroke winners or ground strokes that set up easy first volleys for him to pinch off. He threw in the serve and volley as well, 25 of 48 at the net, which isn't the best conversion rate, but never allowed Kasparu to get in a rhythm and really dictate on his front foot, would try to end rallies faster than that. And again, in order to prevent Rude from getting into that inside out forehand, inside out forehand, inside in forehand, three ball combination that he hit so effectively. Now, there were moments when Rude was dominant behind his first serve. And we saw that against Emilio Nava as well. Rude was hitting his T serve on the do side particularly well at this event. That was really the only thing clicking for him. It felt like every other backhand would be left short within the course of a rally. And, you know, again, it's a signature win, certainly for Zheng Zhizhen, first Chinese player to ever beat a top five player in the world. You look at this result, the uh, 26-year-old was 67 entering the event. He's back up to number 58, six off his career high of 52. He wins one more match. He'll be inside the top 50, first Chinese man to do that ever as well. I mean, again, it's been a stream of results like this for the 26-year-old all year long. It's funny. He's 26 and 26 overall on the season, but quarterfinals Madrid Masters, semifinals Hamburg, third rounds now at both Roland Garros and the U.S. Open. That's a heck of a season. You know, that you're making some serious money for the first time in your career if you're Zheng Zhizhen and positioning yourself very, very well for the 2024 season. I mean, look, Casper had a very bad hardcourt stretch. First round loss, Cincy to Purcell. Second round loss, Davidovich Fokina in Canada. Second round loss here at the U.S. Open. It's going to be a, a real struggle. He's going to have to play 
down the home stretch of this season if he wants to find himself in the year-end finals again this year. He's 10th right now. Trails Zverev by 90 points. Zverev playing tomorrow his second round match against Daniel Altmaier. He wins that. I think he extends his gap to about 135 points. Right now, Kasparud trailing Taylor Fritz by 115 points. Fritz has already progressed to the third round of this U.S. Open event. And again, every win he Uh, He wins his next match. He's now up by 205 points. You know, those guys are probably going to play down the home stretch of the season. And now if Kasparud wants to make a year-end finals push, he is going to have to play as well. There are definitely still some opportunities for him to pick up points, but he's going to have to pick up his level outside of his run to the French Open final. There just hasn't been a lot to celebrate in Kasparud's 2023 season. Still, I, I, I do think this is more indicative of the year Zheng Zhen has had. Rude wasn't playing his best. You thought he would be vulnerable early in the quarter. Certainly in my draw preview, I said this Rude Runa quarter is perfectly primed for a Tommy Paul-Francis Tiafo quarterfinal battle. And, you know, both of them winners on day three. We'll get to Tommy's thrilling five-set comeback against Roman Safiulin in a moment. Tiafo dominant again against Ofner. Draws open up. Runa's out. Rude is out. Tsitsipas uh, is in the Fritz section, excuse me. But Tsitsipas is out, so things open up for Fritz. The three Americans are the three favorites now, the three highest-seeded players in their sections to reach the quarterfinals. Just digest that for a moment. After years of, yes, we had Isner, but can Kudla sneak one in? Can Stevie sneak one in? Query, can he be hot in a given moment? Oh, maybe one of the young guys find their way in a third round or, you know, there's a sand grin moment, whatever it may be. No, no, no. These are top seeds, holding seed, moving through. And we'll get to the American section in a second. But, you know, I don't know how I got from Kasparud. Oh, yeah, because Kasparud has now been eliminated, as have Stefano Tsitsipas. And again, Rude just didn't have it. I don't know how else to describe it. I'm, I'm, I apologize for not spending more time breaking down the technical aspects of that result. He just didn't have it today. And every ball was popped up. Everything was dictated by Zheng Zhizhen. Third round at the U.S. Open. Again, another third round appearance for him at a major this year. Positions himself for a monster 2024 season. By that, I mean just consistent ATP events. Make yourself north of 300K, my friend. That's a good living. Zheng Zhizhen, 6457626262. Love 662. Again, Stricker, 7567677663. They both advance to round number three. Talked about Bonzi over Eubanks, your other upset on the day. How about Yuri Vesely? Back-to-back five-set wins for Vesely. This time, 7662362676. He knocks out Francisco Sarundolo. I mean, look. Vesley gonna Vesley. Uh, this is what he does. Uh, the big serving lefty can get hot. It can put pressure on you. Like he just land. And you know, again, Sarundalo did not play particularly well, but that's because Vesley will slap a forehand winner when you least expect it, or mix in the backhand slice unexpectedly. He'll sneak in behind that backhand slice. He'll just give you no rhythm during your service games because he is going to take some bigger cuts on the return of serve, but then all of a sudden he'll grind out and play a 10, 12-shot rally. I've always liked how uncomfortable Yuri Vesely makes his opponents. I'm not saying he plays with a ton of slice, but you never quite know what you because some days he does get a little slap happy. Um, Now for Sarundalo, who, by the way, executed another tweener winner. That's 
two matches at the U.S. Open with two tweener winners. He's got to be the leader on the stat leaderboard. Disappointing exit. Good win for Vesely through to the third round. And then, you know, again, those are your four upsets. Rude, Tsitsipas, Sarandolo, Eubanks on the men's side. On the women's side, again, our top five remain intact. Sviantek, Sabalenka, and then in any order you'd like, Rabakina, Pagula, Goff. Now, uh, again, we'll get into some of those other results a little bit later because we did have four seeds upset on the day. How about Caroline freaking Wozniacki to earn a top 15 victory this early in her comeback tour? Someone who won Miami earlier this season in Petra Kvitova to win that match five and six. I mean, the physicality she displays. Only 13 unforced errors to Kvitova's 40. 22 winners to Kvitova's 38. And yet I was actually, I, I feel like Wozniacki is playing more aggressively. She had Kvitova on a string, outer third, outer third, corner to corner, never hitting more than two shots consistently the same direction because when Kvitova wanted to step up, play on her front foot as she did far more frequently in set number two, you know, that that's when the, uh, the, the what am I? The power imbalance. That's the word I was looking for. Displayed itself is when Kvitova wanted to step up. It did feel like that opportunity was going to be there for her. Kvitova didn't serve particularly well. Only made fifty nine percent of her first serves, and I thought Wozniacki more than anything else did a great job of getting on top of her second serve returns. You know, taking those balls a little earlier to try and get Kvitova stretched and beat her to a spot. I thought Wozniacki hit the backhand down the line beautifully, as she always has. 9 of 12 at the net, but seemed to be peaking forward a little bit more than that. Again, this was a match on thin margins. Kvitova, especially, I, I guess, down the home stretch of set number one, but in per, or at the start, excuse me, of set number one, but particular, in my opinion, down the home stretch of number set number two, really started to raise her aggression, swing a little bit more freely, try to go after everything, you know, anytime Wozniacki left something short. But Wozniacki persisted. And, you know, again, I thought she did a good job serving into the body of Kvitova more than anything else, not giving any free swings in the contact point for Petra. First ball was always to the open court to force Petra to have to hit that first one on the run. You know, again, never more than two balls. It, it was a very consistent, disciplined game plan. And to be able to execute that degree of discipline this early in her comeback, it, it's a stellar win for Wozniacki, who, in knocking out the seed, obviously opens up the draw for herself a bit. Next up for Wozniacki, she's going to take on Jennifer Brady on a bit of a comeback tour of her own. And look, how awesome was Brady last night in her 6-1-2-6-6-2 victory over Magda Lynette. She had the biggest weapon on the court. I, I don't know how else to say it. And, you know, again, for Brady, 26 winners to Lynette's 12. I think it was, what, 6 of 8 on breakpoint chances. Lynette, 4 of 13. But, oh, Jennifer Brady, the racket speed she generates, her ability to get her frame outside the ball, to get angle on that ball and generate depth and pace cross-court. It's stunning. It's stellar. It's why she's made a slam final on a hard court in her career. She just has one of those loose arms. Again, her ability to drive through the backhand, her ability to snap through a ball, not just down the line, but snap it off the court, cross-court as well on that forehand wing. Jen Brady looked back last night, particularly in sets one and three, where just everything was on the front foot. There was Magdalenette was 
and doing a very good job asking the question, extending rallies, two, three additional shots, but everything was on Jennifer Brady's terms. Brady determined when points wanted to end, and again, she was hot last night in firing off of that forehand wing. I know 26 winners against 37 unforced errors doesn't sound impressive, but part of that is the sort of pressure Magdalena puts on you with her physicality. Part of that was Brady was just swinging freely. The game plan was clear. I have the opportunity to be the aggressor. I'm going to choose to do so. I mean, again, when she snaps the kick first serve plus one inside out forehand like she did last night, she absolutely, absolutely can get through Caroline Wozniacki in round number three. At the same time, either of them getting to the second week is a really fun storyline. So that's a win-win sort of match in round number three. Brady, Wozniacki, upsetting Kvitova, Lynette respectively to move on to round number three. Your other women's upsets, oh my God, was Taylor Townsend good yesterday. And shout out to Jordan Parker, her hitting partner, grew up in my area. It was cool to see him sitting in the player box, but shout out to freaking Taylor Townsend. I mean, I just how could you not enjoy watching her play? I don't know how else to describe it. Lefty who serves in volleys, who finds these ridiculous angles, who mixes in the slice, but then will slap a a ball line right by you. She'll mix in the high elevated over the net topspin to buy herself time. First step is electric and that, you know, the net cord drop shot short angle uh, track down she had at, what, three all in that first set yesterday against Haddad Maya. Jaw-droppingly excellent. I just love the creativity. She can. There's not a shot on a court Taylor Townsend can't hit. And look, she's top 10 in the world in doubles. The fact that she mixes in serve and volley, the fact that she is so proficient moving forward, that's not news to anyone who follows this game closely. But her ability to adapt that skill set to the singles court, her ability to just pressure Haddad Maya in 75 different ways and never using the same tactic more than twice in a row. You know, again, mixing in the serve and volley with the plus one short angle forehand with, you know, again, the backhand drop shot, which she uses so exceptionally well. And she's had those hands since she was a world number one junior, 15, 16 years old. How amped she gets as well. I mean, you see her screaming, saying it on the court after this upset. It's my time. And you know, 31 winners against 35 unforced errors, but more impressively, 27 of 36 at the net. She faced just one break point in the match. Now, she was broken on that one occasion, but two of seven in her own break point chances. Again, just always has a way to extend a point and always has a shot to make you uncomfortable, and that's what she did. Haddad Maya had no rhythm throughout the course of this match, was either hitting on the stretch or forced to hit a passing shot at an uncomfortable contact point and that's a credit to the again toolbox and just the wealth of things Taylor Townsend can throw at her opponent she was my favorite match to watch on the day of the upsets Taylor Townsend a five and six win and you know with this result now Townsend up back up to number 101 in the live rankings uh you look for Townsend now how's she done overall in the year in singles that's a good question for me to answer for you all you look according to our friends at tennis abstract 26 and 15 in her last 52 weeks 19 and 14 in singles this year but again given her ranking she's played a lot of du- uh, big events in doubles she qualified in Rome made Round of 32 there. Finals of a 125K on clay. Qualified in Roland Garros. 
Final round qualifying loss at Wimbledon to Sonia Kennan. Second round Australian Open. Now third round U.S. Open. Yeah, in that limited amount of events, she finds herself 101 in or 102, 101, whatever it was in the live rankings. She's one of the 100 best players in the world. I have no doubt about that. And again, one of the 10 best doubles players in the world unequivocally. Just look at the rankings. That did a heck of a win, though, for Taylor Townsend. And, you know, again, now she's going to take on Karolina Mukhova. It's a very tricky matchup given the level we've seen from Mukhova, who earned another straight set victory on day three. That's a fun one, though. Again, shout out to Taylor Townsend. If you're going to go watch the highlights of any of these upsets, I would make that priority number one. Then I'd say go make Stricker Pass number two because the boldness of Stricker equally impressive. Uh, not equally impressive, but on the level of Taylor Townsend. Other upset I haven't mentioned, Julin just kind of dominated Victoria Azarenka. I don't know how else to say it. It just felt like every big rally went the way of Lynn, that Azarenka was the one to blink first to force something maybe a little bit outside of what the rally called for trying to change direction when Julin fired in good pace back at her, trying to take a bigger cut on the forehand wing down the line. And it just wasn't there for her throughout the course of the day. Julin, 3 of 12 on breakpoint chances, but unbroken on serve on the day. You know, 15 unforced errors to Azarenka's 31 I just, Azarenka didn't have it. And we've seen that at times this year. She'll play one, not exceptional match, but quality match like she did in round number one here at this event, then followed up with a not as quality match. And again, it's a credit to Ju Lin, who has unequivocally been one of the breakout stars of the season. She's had an exceptional year on hard courts, has clearly been one of the 50 best players, whether it's earlier this season, the title run she had in Joaquin quarters in Auckland uh, to start the year as well. Fourth round Australian Open where she beat Sakari and Teichman. Now third round here, U.S. Open beating Sharif Azarenka. Definitely has a real opportunity over against Bencic in round number three. I mean, the career year for her continues. And you look at this result, Julin back up to number 35 in the live rankings to offer a career high of 33. You start a year in the top 50. You're exactly where you want to be uh, at that point of the 29-year-old's, uh, at this point of the 29-year-old's career. So again, those are your four upsets on the women's side. Wozniacki over Kovetova, Julin over Azarenka, Townsend over Haddad Maya, Brady over Lynette. Again, the men's side updates, Zhang Zhizhen over Rude, Stricker over Tsitsipas, Vesely over Sarundalo, and Bonzi over Eubanks. Matches that went the distance overall on the day. We had six total on the women's side, and let's be clear, six of 16 matches. That is a healthy percentage. It was a competitive day. We already talked about Brady over Lynette. Ostapenko's match shouldn't have gone three sets. Ostapenko up 6-3-5-2 on 21-year-old Alina Avenisian. Avenisian's serve is a liability for her right now, and it just felt like time after time Ostapenko was slugging so freely away at that ball. But Avenisian is quick, and her ability to extend rallies against Ostapenko, and not just extend them, but her fluidity out of that corner on the backhand wing in particular, her ability to generate depth when pushed in that corner, it made Ostapenko uncomfortable. Now, there were a wave of errors from Ostapenko, as there can often be in Ostapenko matches, but Avedisian's a real athlete. 
and by that I mean a top 50 athlete, where her ability to just extend rallies will keep her competitive in every match that she plays. And you can always continue to work on that serve. Again, it's the one controllable we have more than anything else in tennis. Was ultimately a very competitive match. Ostapenko six three five seven seven five. She advances again. She was up six three five two. That match shouldn't have gone three. If she can get to that Sviantec match, you feel like that's where she's going to play her best. So uh, that could be a fun one, a potential fourth round battle. Of course, first for Ostapenko, she'll have to get uh, through Bernarda Pera, who of course was a three-set winner on the day over Wang Shiyu. It's a good follow-up win for her after beating Kudermatova in round number one. Pera, three six seven six six two again after failing to defend her summer points. Third round U.S. Open for sure should keep her in the top 80. Heading into 20. 23. Your other three setters, I called this one huge for the draw in my preview. I think Wang Xinyu now is going to get to the fourth round of this event. Wang Xinyu, a three-set win uh, over Sarah Saribes Tormo to advance to round number three. You look for uh, Xinyu now. She's going to take on Anna Karolina Shmidova. It was the boldness, the willingness to move forward behind her down the line forehands. And you have to be bold. You have to embrace that there are times when Cerebus Tormo, her speed, she's going to pass you. You're going to be so frustrated you allowed it to happen, but you just got to keep pushing forward and hope ultimately that your aggression winds her down. That's what happened for Wang Xinyu, who was up a break early in the third, seeded that break back for four all, takes the last two games of the match to close things out. Maybe even was down 4-3 and takes the last three games of the match to close things out. Her forehand, her willingness to move forward, it was the most decisive thing on the court. And you look for the 21-year-old from China very quietly at a new career high of number 46 in the ranking. She's another one of those under-22 talents. I've tried to talk about more of late because I got to watch her play in Cleveland, but probably didn't do a good enough job highlighting her steady rise throughout the course of the year. Now she gets the signature third round U.S. Open result as the feather in the cap. And you know, again, I think we're going to be hearing more of her moving forward. I don't know if she's got top 15 upside, but she's very good and is going to be in the mix now moving forward. 21 years old for a little bit of time. Last one, shout out Kaya Yuvan. It's dealt with so many different things on, off the court. Three-set win over Lauren Davis to get to the third round. Set up a matchup with her dear friend, Iga Shviantek. That's just that tough loss for Davis. Very good win for Kaya Yuvan. Those are your six women's matches that went the distance. On the men's side, Jung Zhizhen, Yuri Vesely, Dom Stricker, all five-set winners. The other one I have to mention, Tommy freaking Paul. How about Tommy? To come back from two sets to love down, in particular against a guy in Roman Safilin who just was so good in sets number one and two, was just everything he wanted to do. The the down-the-line backhand, firing. The forehand cross, firing. The forehand inside out, firing. The T-serve on the ad side, firing. Safilin was just exceptional in set number one. He won 21 of 25 points on serve. I mean, it just felt like he had a plus one answer. He he just wasn't missing from the baseline in that opening set. Set number two, I thought Tommy's level dipped a little bit. You know, again, was kind of like, what am I supposed to do if this guy's going to keep lacing winners? And then as things started to get a little bit more physical, extended rallies, Safulin was up for the test there as well. Takes that second set. Now he's up two sets to love. You know, it helped for Tommy for sure to get an early break 
in set number three, as he did. And again, Paul ultimately a 3-6-2-6-6-2-6-4-6-3 win. The real, I mean, again, he raised his aggression, started to serve and volley, particularly behind that slice serve wide on the deuce side, which just he has, all he has to do is make the first volley. And Tommy has exceptional hands. He's a very good volleyer. The real turning point was 4-5 in the fourth, where, again, Safulin's serving. They're on serve. It's been dead solid, dead even set. Safulin's found his rhythm. Tommy's found his rhythm. Every service game is a war. It just feels like, again, there's no leaning one way or another who's going to win the match. Tommy holds for a tight 5-4. Safulin blinks. couple of forehand errors. Tommy connects on an inside out. All of a sudden, Tommy takes the set, set uh, takes the set six four. You felt like that was the match, and credit to Safulin goes down an early break in the third. Feels like he's gonna throw it away, facing break points four four. Love he manages to hold there for one three. Actually has two break point chances to break back four five four uh, in that uh, for four five. Excuse me, but back on serve in that fifth set. Man, credit to Tommy. Didn't blink, and after making one first serve to go down 15-40 in that four five uh, five three service game in the fifth, finds three first serve. Uh, excuse me, finds four first serves on the next four points, or maybe it's five first serves on the next six points. I don't remember if Fulin fought off a match point or not. But Tommy just has real weapons now, and Tommy, there was an intensity in the comeback, that willingness not just to rely on his physicality, to make a million balls, to ask every correct question of Safulin, but to follow it up with some chutzpah, to be able to serve and volley, to be able to turn into backhands down the line as he did whenever Safulin got a little lackadaisical on that inside-out forehand or tried to cheat over to line up the inside-in. And after watching Tommy lose fifth sets over the years to a Casper Ruud, it feels like him, Casper, Davidovich, Fokina played a million five-setters over the last, what, three seasons. You know, Tommy had never had a two-sets-to-love comeback before this time, and to see the court, the crowd on Court 17 was electric in building Tommy back. But to see Tommy not only embrace that energy, but channel that energy, it's, it's what makes that crowd in New York magical at times. And there was just an intensity of focus to Tommy that he would not have been able to generate as recently as two years ago. And it speaks to his maturity. And it speaks to the fact that he is really one of the 15 best players in the world. And I think one of the 10 best players right now in the world on hard courts pretty clearly as well. And, you know, again, the best players find ways to escape these sorts of early round matches. That's what Tommy did because Safulin played like a top 10 player in the first set and a half. Tommy found a way to break that rhythm, found a way to channel the crowd's energy, found a way through to the third round. Special, special performance for Tommy in what was, in my opinion, the best five-set match and the best distance match of the day. Let's move now to the other notable results. Then we'll get to the Americans. Then we'll get to uh, the players with college ties. Top seeds looked the part. Again, Iga went up early breaks against Daria Seville in both sets one and two. Never looked back from there. I don't think she's playing her best tennis yet, but she hasn't been challenged yet either. I mean, again, 0-1 in round number one, 3-4, but up early breaks and never in doubt in round number two. Iga's looked like Iga. And again, maybe facing someone she knows well in Kaya Yuvan, that presents its own sort of test in round number four. 
uh, three, excuse me. Things don't get real for Iga until she faces Ostapenko and then Goff in the quarterfinals. That's, you know, again, second week is when you really lock in. You you watch the third round against Yuvon, I would say. If you haven't watched an Iga match yet from start to finish, maybe don't watch the Yuvon match start to finish, but try to watch a set of that because, again, things start to get real for her in round number four, and it'll be interesting to see what she does in set number three to in perhaps anticipation of week two at this event. Rubakina got the withdrawal. Unfortunately, Ayla Tamjanovic forced to pull out of the event. She's been dealing with things all year long. So, you know, again, you just hope to see her healthy heading into 2024. Coco looked really good. Went down an early break to Andriva in the opening game of the match. And you think to yourself, oh, no. Is it going to be another struggle for Coco? The answer is no. Three and two over Andriva. She's hitting her forehand right now with more authority, more confidence, and I'm going to use one of our Yiddish words, more chutzpah, than I've ever seen. And again, her willingness to move forward, using her speed to beat you to the spot at the net, that ability to drive the backhand line, cross. I think her serve continues to gain miles per hour as well. Coco Goff just continues to get better. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Three and two in over Andriva. Andriva felt pressure to hit the forehand slice because of the pace, the action coming in on the golf ball if Andriva a little bit afraid that that forehand would start to spray on her. Now the Andriva backhand, the Andriva serve, they're on the level and physically she can move around as well. Goff's just better at all of those things right now. Again, this is a good match. It looked like it was a pro playing a 16-year-old and you know, again, Goff is 19 and yet it was just they're playing different sports, and that's a credit to where Coco Goff's game is at right now. She was a straight set winner. Mukhova threw in straights. Benchic went up early breaks and was never really pressured by Lily Miyazaki, but still for the former Oklahoma Sooner, way to get to round number two at this major for the first time in her career. Again, Muhova looked good. Kirstea got pushed. Kalinskaya played well, but you know, again, Serana Kirstea does a really good Garbine Muguruza impression when you're not looking too closely and is moving well, is striking the ball well. We saw what she can do when she's in form in Miami dangerous when she's in form here. You look for Serana Kirstea up next in the draw for her. Uh, we will find out here in a second. Serana Kirstea going to face Elena Rabakina in the next round. All right, that's a real test. No doubt about that. She's through. And then Shmidlova ends the run of Rabakina. Masarova Shmidlova through in straight sets. Again, a date with Wang Xinyu awaiting her. Those were your seven straight set results in the women's side. On the men's side, 11 of your 16 matches. Again, going three or four sets. A couple guys that weren't tested. Djokovic, Fritz, Tiafa. I mean, Djokovic, I just felt like the first five games, he was just kind of playing around. He was like, all right, will you stretch me the forehand a little bit, Zapata Moraes, because I'd like to work on my on-the-run forehand because I know I'm going to have to hit it effectively when I play Carlos in the final Lined up the backhand line when he wanted, hit his spots on serve whenever he wanted, pulled away in sets two and three as he wanted, off the court in about two hours. Novak, Novak. I don't know how else to say. Didn't learn much from that match other than he is the top contender at this event. Fritz dominated. I mean, the pace into that uh, into that Juan Pablo Ver, uh, Verdias forehand just JPV left everything short. Fritz was on his front foot the whole time, never threatened. He was through 1-2-2. Two, and two. Same deal with Tiafo. 3-1-4. and four. Early breaks for him and the ability to break serve. It felt like whenever he wanted to. Still feels like he's not swinging full speed yet. Still feels like he's pacing himself as well. And I don't think I've ever seen Tiafo again, 
look this dominant this casually. Like, you know when Francis is locked in. And the thing is, he has been locked in mentally, but he hasn't need to fully exert himself yet physically. And again, he's played Tian and Ofner so far. He shouldn't have had to fully exert himself. But how measured and paced he looks, it's just an extra ounce of maturity for Francis Diafo, who you just start to realize, yeah, he's played more than 10 slams now in his career. He's made runs into second weeks. He understands the purpose of week one as preparation for week two, particularly now that he's a top seed. And that's the thing. It just feels like he's going about finding his rhythm and sticking to that rhythm from start to finish in matches. And that's what's been most impressive about him so far. So straight set win for him. Davidovich Fokina was never threatened by Juan Manuel Sarandolo and talk about a blockbuster third round matchup as he's going to take on Tommy Paul. Manorino hit the shot of the year, the jumping, Michael Jordan through the legs, tweener, winner, whatever. I, I don't even know how to describe it. Go watch it. It's the best shot you will see this year. He beats Marazan in four. Really good end to his season. He's going to end the year top 30. Laszlo Jura through in straights. Your other winners on the day, Shelton, Hijikata, Goyo. We'll talk about all of them in a little bit. How about Jakob Menzik? I went and watched the 17-year-old who becomes the fourth Czech teenager to make the third round at a major. Four-set win over Droguet for Menzik. 3-6-6-2-7-6-6-3. He has a real first serve. Like, you can just hear it. The pop coming off of his racket. His ability to generate winners with that shot or easy plus-one opportunities for himself. Plays the ball a little close to his body. The technique's a little weird, and he's far more comfortable hitting the inside-out forehand than he is hitting it cross-quarter. I think he actually does pull it inside-in pretty well, but he really likes to hit that inside-out when it's a little closer to his body. I think the backhand is good. It's steady. He still plays it a little close to his body. I don't feel like he fully extends through it, but he's got good size, good strength, good mover, and again, a real first serve. The 17-year-old's just good already in his career and, you know, again, has had a pretty advantageous draw, I would argue, as things go. Things obviously going to step up for Menzik next round. It's He's going to take on Taylor Fritz, but you can only play the draw that you are dealt. And again, for him to get to the third round, the 17-year-old now up to a new career high, number 146 in the live rankings. You look at what he had done this year to date Jakob Menzik uh, so far this season, challenger title in Prague back in May, beat Dominic Cope for a bunch of different challenger quarterfinals to his name this year. A lot of clay court results uh, for him so far this season. So to come here, qualify, you know, wins over Fonini, Kolar, Riedi, get a first round win over Gregoire Beret, follow that up with a a second round win over, again, a very comparable opponent in Tetuin Droguet. It's taking advantage of a massive opportunity if you're this 17-year-old. And now, again, you look for him moving forward in the live rankings, top 150 in the world. Things start to open up moving forward. He's up 60 spots as a result of this U.S. Open. Not too shabby, Jakob Mensik through to the third round. And, you know, again, I want to see him pressured by further pace. So it's going to be fascinating to see how he handles the Fritz battle, but that's your scouting report thus far. Likes to move forward, has the big first serve, steadier on the backhand, likes the inside-out forehand more, plays the ball a little close to his body, and it'll be interesting to see how that technique handles, again, the pace of Fritz. But those are your other notable results. Karatsev, by the way, also a four-set winner. Let's end by talking about the Americans and the players with college ties. You look for the American women, 4-2 and two overall on the day. 
Goff, Townsend, Brady, Para, winners, the ones who knocked out. How about Elisa Mertens? Fought off another match point. That's back-to-back matches. She's had to overcome match point deficits. She just grinded her way. Such a good mover. So creative. The bump lob feels like it always drops in. Three six seven six six one. She knocks out Danielle Collins and then again Kaya Yuvon six seven six four six three. That was a really good win for Mertens because Collins was playing well coming into the match and again it looked like she had it in straights. Unable to finish the deal though. You look now for the American women. 15 and 15 overall through three days of play. Goff, Townsend, Brady, Para through to round number three. Pagula, Keys, Vickery, Stearns, Kennan all in action on day number four. On the men's side, four and two overall on the day. The big three, Fritz, Tiafo, Paul all advancing. Talked about Eubanks getting knocked out by Bonzi. Ben Shelton, had to break Dominic team for what it's worth to win his first set, but you know Shelton seven six one love when team forced to retire unfortunately due to illness, something going around New York. Hopefully, you know again, COVID is still prevalent. It is worth noting. Hopefully, we get to see these players healthy, complete uh, and healthy. They're at their best throughout the course of this event. Worth noting, Shelton, again, through in straight sets. And I'm not insinuating, by the way, that Dominic team or anyone has COVID. I'm just insinuating, again, there is a bug. Uh, the only thing I'm saying is there have been multiple players who have had to pull out with illnesses over the course of the past couple of weeks. And so, again, it is just something worth noting for all of you listeners. Shelton advances to another third round. Again, the only places where I think he's won more than two matches at an event this year are the Australian Open and now the U.S. Open. It's how you keep yourself in the top 60, folks. Uh, the other result is how we'll transition to the college side of things, although worth noting, American men now 13-12 uh, and 12 overall through the first three days of action. That 12th loss, unfortunately, Mackie McDonald knocked out in a college-on-college crime. Borna Goyo threw to his first uh, third round at a major in his career, 3-4-4. Four, and four. He changed his serve technique. It's a little quicker now on the release. It's a little quicker on getting his arm up, that shoulder and racket in position. Still explodes through it. I also think he shortened his forehand backswing. The backhand looks the same, but it was effective. Again, 3-4-4, four, four, consolidates his spot in the top 100 moving forward. Speaking of which, shout out to Rinky Hijikata, the former UNC All-American, wins the Australian Open doubles title earlier this year, through to his first third round in singles, continuing to close in on the top 100. He destroyed Fucevic, 1-2-1. and one. Uh, Again, college men overall in the day, 3-3, three and three, the Mackey lost, Sarundalo and Eubanks, the other players exited on the day. So college men, 13-13 and 13 overall. Overall, through the first three days on the women's side, Brady through Miyazaki Collins both knocked out. So uh, overall, the women five and five through the first three days. But of course, Stern still in action today for the women. Nori Isner, Rinder Kanesh, and Mickelson sort of still in action for the men. That said, that's everything that happened on day three. Of course, again, day four, our final jam, jam pack day of this event. I'm hoping to get some guests on as we approach this opening weekend, as we approach the turn to week two. So, of course, be on the lookout for more content here on this show. Preview shows available 3, 4 p.m. Eastern time every day over on the Mini Break podcast feed. Excuse me, over on the Great Shot podcast feed. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point. 
tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 with all of that said for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.